Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hi, this is Jackie Cation. Welcome to the dark forest. Guess what? It's June and we have a sponsor and the sponsor is TiVo. And if you don't know about TiVo, well, that's odd to me because Pat Oswalt did a joke about it a million years ago because TiVo was the first DVR as far as I could tell. And it was about how it was the greatest gift he had ever received, greater even than the gift of life. I'm going to put a link to that joke in the notes. Anyway, but before TiVo, you had to watch TV when it was on. You had to VHS record it, possibly. You might remember those days. But if you missed it or part of it, you had to wait for reruns until you saw it again. So TiVo, it changed all that. And there are other DVRs, but TiVo is clearly the best. TiVo makes TV a thousand times better. That's their slogan. I believe it. I'm excited about TiVo, quite honestly. But TiVo has TiVo Stream, where you can watch it on your iPad or all over the house, right? You can transfer your favorite recordings and take them with you, like on airplanes and buses and not in your car. Please don't watch television in your car. TiVo is also the only one that searches both cable and the web to find any movie, any show, any video at the press of a button, right? Including YouTube, like Netflix, Hulu Plus, Amazon, YouTube. Now they're just like more channels on your TV. And TiVo Mini makes your TiVo box work on a second TV in your house. So that is the TiVo ad. And I'm excited that TiVo sponsor the Dork Forest this month. And I'm going to get a TiVo dork and we're going to do an episode. Let's get right to it because it's exciting. Allie Willis, you're you're here. I am here. <laughs> and I've written a song called I'm Here, actually from the color purple. Oh. I will not be singing it for you today, <laughs> but it is the big song from the big hit musical, which I co-wrote. The color purple. Uh Here's my thing. We met at Uncabaret two weeks ago. Yes. And I looked up you on allmusic.com and I was like, what? What? Wait, what? Wait, what? Because nobody knows who, I mean, yeah. other people do. No, no, people, even songwriters don't, don't know who you know. wrote songs. Yeah, yeah. And, and so you, of course, wrote September. For yes, Earth, that's Wind, my favorite one. It's not the most intelligent of them, but it is by <laughs> far my favorite record. It's a great, and then Boogie Wonderland? Yes, that a is? lot, well, a lot of Earth, Wind, and Fire. That was my real beginning. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Uh, how about the tune from Friends? Yes, which that's I a good thoroughly one. enjoyed. <laughs> And uh, I actually hated that song as I was writing it <laughs> and I wrote it to get out of a deal because I had had a publishing deal right? forever. And in 1991, I stumbled onto the Internet and I went, you know, can I say fuck? Mm-hmm. OK, so I said, fuck all these, you know, <laughs> linear things. Right. I want to do, um, uh, you know, I'm really interested in this Internet, which no one knew what that was in 1991. Early days, 91. And um, uh, conceived of a prototype for a social network in 1992. Right. So really, my partner uh, was Mark Cuban, you okay. know, who now everyone knows from, you know, Dallas Mavericks and being one of the richest guys in oh, the that world. that guy, yeah. But we could not uh, get arrested, along with our <laughs> other partner, Prudence Fenton, <laughs> trying to sell this idea of the Internet and social media to any of the entertainment concerns. Oh, fantastic. So, um, they were not willing to go in an Allie Willis direction? They, they just didn't get it. This, right. uh, the internet is a fluke. Uh, it's for dorky people. Yeah. How could you give up a career <laughs> where you've sold, you know, 50 million records and go after this stupid medium? Weird. Yep. So I was doing anything I could to get out of my publishing deal. Okay. And when you co-write songs, you may write with one other person, but there, if it's a group, you could end up with 10 names on the label. Okay. So I was signed to Warner Brothers. It got down to where I owed a seventh of a song. And they said, there's this TV show coming out. It, um, they weren't going to have theme music. Now they're going to have theme music. It's on the air in three weeks. It's, you know, Oof. it's probably not a hit show. Right. You write this, you get out of your deal. Uh-huh. So I wrote it. Only so that I would never have to write a song again. Right. And it just, it exploded. Right, because uh, it turns out one of the biggest uh, television programs ever. Yeah. 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 So like that was this... nice, uh, you know, despite my kicking and screaming that right. I went along for that ride. There's always a Scrooge McDuck pile of money to, to sop up the tears. <laughs> well, you... that would be nice if, uh, if there were one such was a thing. actually getting paid for what they did, but <laughs> oh, you don't want to start me on that. So, uh, 
All right. And, and yeah. the thing is, so we met at Uncabaret. There was a sing-along September. Very yeah. exciting. And I had a, you pretty much, in my opinion, saved that show, quite honestly, because it was one sad sack comic after another <laughs> talking about sad sack things. Yeah. And myself, I was working on a brand new bit. But you were funny though. I was funny. Yeah. And, but it, cause it's a new bit about sexual assault. Who doesn't, yeah. that's just it's <laughs> that's comedy a bit, gold. That's a funny topic. Sure. Yeah. And then, it, and then at one point I just looked at the audience and I was like, you guys want me to go to the vault? Cause I was really looking to Beth Lapidus <laughs> and the entire audience almost as a group went, yes, please. Ah! Please go to the vault. <laughs> I remember you being very funny. Although then I was pretty much on the verge of nausea cause I was about to go on, but. Right. And you were hilarious <laughs> and it was so much fun and I enjoyed it so much. Great. And so I looked up your website and you were like, I enjoy kitsch. I yeah. enjoy kitsch. Oh. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Exactly. And if you what don't. Is what is kitsch? Yeah. How do you define kitsch? Um, well, there's a classic definition and oh, there's there my definition. Okay. The classic definition of kitsch, and I don't actually like this kind of kitsch, <laughs> is very, very overwrought, overdrawn, um, uh, it can be an artifact, a building, anything where it just went completely too far. Or like a caricature. Oh, uh, like, um, let's, uh, the example I would use a lot is like if you saw early, uh, George and Martha Washington figurines with mm-hmm. all of these, you know, big white fluffy hair, right. and, you know, the this gaudy kind of ceramic glaze with lots of gold. Yeah, yeah. So just um way over the top. Okay. My brand of kitsch is more centered in pop culture. Okay. So um more sentimental uh, collectibles centered in pop culture? Yeah, well it could be anything. A kitsch could be anything from a person to a house to a uh, oh. a vase. I okay. mean really anything that really kind of captured the public's imagination or this is my favorite kind where a trend was very, very popular and right. someone tried to do their own interpretation of it and failed <laughs> miserably. Like it wouldn't be, let's say, the Michael Jackson doll. Okay. It would be the doll that was sold at the 99 cent store to look like Michael Jackson, which looks more like Tito right. and is missing a shirt. <laughs> You know, so it's right. just wrong. Right. And there's no way that Michael Jackson would ever not wear a shirt. No, but I yeah. do have amazing Michael Jackson kitsch. Well, really some... obscure Michael. Oh. Yeah. Like, What's you know, a fave? The, um, well, the Michael Jackson candy bar, which uh, was only sold in France. And I wrote what? with one of Michael's nephews a couple of years ago and he walked down. He was looking through all my, uh, you know, memorabilia and he right. came across the candy bar and he literally froze. And he said, <laughs> no, that, that that candy bar was like in the late 80s. I okay. Think, and it did not sell well. <laughs> right. And so the French company shipped all the candy bars back to Michael Jackson and so they had cases, they had rooms full of nothing but this horrible chocolate bar. Right. And none of the kids in the Jackson family were allowed to eat anything, other kind of candy, weren't allowed to bring anything into the house until those bars were gone. And he said that it was four to five years before, and they tried to eat it fast because they just wanted the real right. stuff. Wait, let's get something else in here. Yeah. Reese's peanut butter cock, anything. Yeah. I also what have a little. It? What's in it? What, can I, I? Well, I haven't opened it because I can't bear. Yeah, I only have one. I usually, I always try when something is great, I try and get more than yes. one so I can use something. Right. And look at it closely but, and kind of, could, you know, can't do it. I also have a Michael Jackson drink cooler. That's my favorite. That's cooler. a little. Tabletop, um, you know, that you would put a soda can in. Oh, a and koozie his, kind of thing? Well, yeah. his little hat, it's a, it's a round plastic thing with then this 3D head and arms of Michael Jackson okay. sticking out of it <laughs> incredibly inappropriately. <laughs> and he's got these two dangling little legs that kind of look like they just stuffed cotton balls in a really bad piece of cotton. Right. And, um, you lift the hat up and you put the soda can in, but then once you put the soda can in, the top, the hat doesn't close all the way. Okay. So it can't possibly keep the drink cold. Yeah. So nothing about it works. (laughs) And literally I would fucking die if anyone ever stole that from me. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh yeah, you gotta have stuff insured. And how do you insure oh, something that is all the, sentimental yeah, value? This, this takes every penny that I earn. <laughs> uh, you know, to insure like, it right. I don't think you understand how valuable this oh, is. It's well, that's, be insured. that's the other trick though. Right. To find someone who does understand the value of it, especially if it's in the largest collection of this stuff in the world, which this which, literally is. Which is what is. you got. Which is what you're yeah. rocking over there. So. That is amazing. I, do you ever, do you know what I saw the other day? It was the Antique Road Show in Britain. And, yeah. uh, those guys, those guys got some nonsense from the 1700s well, for no yeah. reason. See, that's too old for me. If it happened before 1950, I'm not interested. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I know. My whole thing is I like things that happen in Los Angeles, New York, and Detroit. Okay. So you're, those are, these are places you've lived in yes. your lifetime? Yes. Okay. And I'm fine if I go nowhere else. Um, <laughs> and I you love pop culture. You are not looking culture. for a Louis L'Amour, North Dakota, uh, like a shirt that he wants owned. Not so uh, well, much. Well, I would, I would try, I love traveling in the United States, preferably if I can drive, mainly oh, really? because that means loading up in, you know, thrift shops and flea oh, right, markets right. and, you know, I, when I travel, it doesn't matter if I'm in Paris or in, uh, Van Nuys, yeah. Van Nuys, sure. Um, I like to watch television. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. like to eat junk food. Okay. I like You're to an do American. my music. Yeah, sure. I'm just, I am a pop culture freak. Right. I just always loved it. I'm uh, a very street, you know, kind of uh, person. And all the hits have meant that it just connects me to more of that. Right. I'm not one of those people who went from... I'm eating in McDonald's to all of a sudden I'm eating in Spago. I stayed at McDonald's. I just did more of it, <laughs> you know? Right. So, okay, let's talk about Detroit because yes. you're from Detroit. Yes, and I love Detroit. Right. And, uh, you know, I play um, Michigan a couple of times a year. Great. And I'm going this week, uh, which that. this won't drop this week, but I'm yeah. in Ann Arbor, Michigan at the at that Comedy Showcase Club uh-huh. there. Bunch of hippies. They love me. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. It's a mutually lovely moment. Yeah. Uh, but I fly into Detroit and I got a friend there from high school. He's like, I'd love to give you a tour of Detroit because a lot of it is just beautiful now just because it's, it's been reclaimed yeah. by the earth. Yeah. And- well, reclaimed by the earth and by artists and entrepreneurs flocking there who weren't born there. Okay. Because it is the land of opportunity and it is such a happening city. And it's a shame that the news uh doesn't show that side all the time. Right. No, every now and then it does. There was just a great Brian Williams just did a piece on this is the place to move. If you want to do it, move here. Well, I mean, the thing is, is, is the the properties are so, property values are so low yeah. that artists can move there, get a loft or a place to do their art. Absolutely. Get a building. Get a, and, yeah. and just, and, and, and have a year. You Absolutely. Know? What it's, you know, I, I make the joke that, um, cause my, my father-in-law, I got in-laws in Arkansas. Uh, uh-huh. and, um, most of the people I meet in Arkansas, really, it feels like they're hiding from something. <laughs> and I have a theory <laughs> that if I ever wanted to give up, you know, just crawl into a bottle and go somewhere. Yeah. Arkansas might be a pretty good yeah, place to yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, cause I think you could live there if you could somehow generate $1,800 a year. Yeah. You could live in Arkansas. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's what I get the impression about, um, uh, Detroit is that to some extent, if you have a way to earn a certain, like 12 grand, yeah. you could probably live okay there. Yeah, I, I believe that's true. I mean, these kids, I, I say kids only because that's who's most attracted to coming there. Right. Um, you know, you can find a, uh, gigantic loft space for a gigantic for, you know, like, like a 4,000 yeah. square feet or something. Uh, yeah. You know, for $700, you can buy a three bedroom house in sections of the city for Fifteen thousand, twenty dollars. Right, and it wasn't twenty thousand. So it was because the it was because the recession or depression that they were refused well, to call it this, hit so hard. Or? This started in nineteen sixty seven with the riots, okay. and that certain parts of the city were completely burnt out. Okay, and eventually through hideous local government, very corrupt local government, which went on for a series of uh, mayors. I think, right? Wasn't it at least two decades of just bad scandal after bad scandal? Yeah. Coupled with 
the automobile companies being so arrogant that they completely miss what was trending in automobiles. Right. And then you had a town that was basically built on one industry, automobiles, had been built on two, Motown, but that left in the early 70s. Right. So um, you had a very typical American city. That was filled with typical American <laughs> pride and arrogance. Sure. And um, you had a bunch of people leading it who really only cared about themselves. And right, they're the lining whole city their own down. coffers down. And then there wasn't enough money to have police all over. And there wasn't enough money to have uh, firemen all over. Right. But certain incredible things happen. For instance, the Heidelberg Project. Do you Which know about is what? that? No, what is that? Well, this is, and I'm actually about to begin a very active collaboration with Tyree Guyton, who is, who is the Heidelberg Project. Okay. Um, he was living in a house in the part of the city on Heidelberg Street, um, that was hit hardest by the riots. Okay. So for decades, this play, you know, it just, there was maybe one house occupied every block or so. Right. And he took the house that he was living in and he painted polka dots on it and the, huge polka dots. And then he painted huge polka dots on the actual pavement. Okay. And then he went to the next house and he collected thousands of stuffed animals. And all he did was nail them up on the outside of the house and on the trees. Right. And eventually he took over a block and then he took over two blocks. And even the people who were in the houses that were still inhabited let him do stuff to the house. Right. So it's become the third largest tourist attraction in Detroit. It is this series of streets that are the cutest, most heartwarming things you have ever seen in your life. And this is a, you know, an artist who had nothing. Right. And made a serious change in that city and now has become this world famous right. artist and, um. I'm going to get coaches to take me to that. Oh, you have to go to the Heidelberg project. Okay. Unfortunately, there was an arson fire there this week to one of the main houses, which is just tragic because right. it's the people in the neighborhoods and surrounding neighborhoods who actually take care of Heidelberg. Right. You know, because it is a part of the city where there's not a lot of police or, right. or firemen. Um, but this has become a serious crown jewel in Detroit. So they're one of the two recipients, mm-hmm. along with um, another group called Mosaic Youth Theater, which is comprised of the most talented kids from high schools all over the city. Okay. Um, who get all the proceeds. From a huge project I'm trying, well, I am doing in Detroit uh, this entire month of September. Right. The month I helped popularize in yes. song. <laughs> body In song and verse. And in song and verse. Oops. This is, that's a special treat for the person who complains that Jackie gets, uh, I can't right. talk. I'm on a live radio interview. Please call me back. I love you, LaTanya. Bye. Allie Willis accepting a call in the middle of the show. Well done. But tell him to call back later. We have a record coming out. Oh, fair enough. um, She's probably calling about a mix. But anyway, um, so uh, I'm going back in the month of September, and I wrote a song for the city called The D, which is what everyone who lives there calls Detroit. Okay. And um, very much in the spirit of September, because I wanted to write something very uplifting and joyous, because I think the people of this city are the most soulful people on the planet. I mean, you walk down a street in Detroit, everyone smiles at you. Everyone says hello. Every, you know, it is so not the murder capital that everyone thinks it is. Right. And I really wanted to bring attention to that. To the positive so, part. Yeah. yeah. So my idea is, is starting on the 1st of September and going through whatever the final day is, because I never learned that 30-day. So th- the 30th right. of September. Sure. Um, we're doing sing-alongs all over the city to get potentially hundreds of thousands of Detroiters on this. Uh, we, we call it the official unofficial theme song of the new Detroit. All oh, right. Um, so to actually do a serious made in Detroit effort right. of people showing their spirit for the city in a song that at least the people who have been instrumental in my career through the years and have gone, that song's fantastic, that song sucks, have agreed it's one of my best songs ever. Right, whether they loved it or hated it. Yes. All right. Yeah, So, because sometimes you can hate a song, but you think it's a hit. I have a few of those. Oh, sure. But uh, anyway, so 
you know, I just love Detroit. I want its spirit shown to the world. And I do believe that just as it was a model city of the 20th century, right. it's a complete model city of the 21st century. People that poo-pooed Detroit and said, oh, it's sliding down. It's such a shitty place. I guarantee you it's happened to your city. Oh, my gosh. I'm from I, Milwaukee. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, you're not going to out white trash. Yeah. Me. It's I mean, even LA, LA's on the verge of bankruptcy. So anything Detroit has gone through, they just preceded everyone else by two right. decades. Armageddon just came there first. You got there first, which <laughs> makes sense because of mm-hmm. what the industry was, a pure right. American industry. And there was only one of them. Right. You know, right. And so um, when the, that one broke, yeah, but the on city. the other hand, that has left an unbelievable trained workforce right. in the city. Right. People that that'll if, show up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and work their asses off. Right. And if you have an idea and it involves anything that's even remotely related to what these people were doing before, assembling mm-hmm. things and, you know, coding and whatever, mm-hmm. that workforce is there. Right. So, so many uh, people with innovative ideas are rolling to that city because they can hire trained people instantly. And they the, can have office space for one nineteenth of what it would cost somewhere else. And they're in a city where people living there really understand it's very hip to live there. Right. So that's great. You know, so that's, I want to do whatever I can to call attention to yeah, that. Yeah. It's, you know, I've never, I've gotten to do Royal Oak and Ann Arbor, so I haven't ever gotten the big tour of of Detroit. But I, yeah, my buddy Mike Co just said that he would he he would take me around. So right, and I have several places. Where should I go? Well, first and foremost is my favorite restaurant yes, in Detroit, yes, which please. is the size of this bridge table. <laughs> it's in the neighborhood that I grew up in, which mm-hmm. is Northwest Detroit. It's on Curtis and Wyoming. Mm-hmm. I pray that the name of the restaurant will be changed if you're listening, Greg, <laughs> from De Amelis, which no one can spell, which it is now, to Greg's Soul in the Wall. And that features <laughs> the Boogaloo Wonderland sandwich, named after my song, Boogie yes, Wonderland. Very nice. Um, and the Boogaloo was a sandwich uh, that started in that neighborhood about almost 50 years ago okay. that was legendary in the neighborhood. And then through all the changes, you know, the restaurant disappeared. And this chef, Chef Greg, came back in, asked all the neighbors, recreated the recipe. Mm-hmm. I tasted it, went insane, said, change the name and we're in business together. <laughs> so we're about to bottle the Boogaloo Wonderland sauce. Okay. But it, it's just, uh, and I fly him in to be part of my live shows. He actually serves the sandwich during the show. Very nice. But it's seriously the best soul food I've ever tasted. So, so that's one place. What, ki- what kind of sandwich is it? Is it like pulled pork or it's something? A, no, or? It, it's beef, actually. It's a loose meat mm-hmm. sandwich and the special kind of bread. And it's got um a onions sauce. and cheese in it, but it's the sauce. The sauce okay. is insane. Is it insane. spicy or is it just tasty? No, it's not spicy. It's, it has a hit of something, but I'm not a spice person, you know, sure. a hot person. So it's definitely not that. Okay. It's just, you've never tasted it before, but I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's not a barbecue sauce. Right. How do you spell the name of the restaurant that nobody can pronounce? Well, I'd rather just give the address <laughs> because do. they're not going to find it if they look for the right. name. And what I'll do is I'll link it on the notes. Yes. So it's one zero 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 nine. Okay. Curtis. C-U-R-T-I-S. C-U-R-T-I-S. In Detroit. Chef Greg, tell them you want the Boogaloo Wonderland. That's a killer. Allie sent you. Yeah. Okay, so that's the first thing. I go to the restaurant. Yeah, you go okay. to the restaurant. Well, all my things are going to be food because that's all I care about. <laughs> See? You have to hit Vincetta's Garage. That's the new um, in place. This was a very famous garage, you know, um, oh, like hot a- rod kind of tweak okay. place in oh, Detroit neat. that now is turned into a restaurant. Mm-hmm, that's a killer. Mm-hmm. There's a beautiful old house on Woodward Avenue, which is the main drag that was built by, um, not Eli Whitney, who was the cotton gin, David Whitney, who was a lumber kind of man. I have to do that too, where I'm just like, okay, here's one famous name. I have to go a lateral move to the actual name of the person. The, yeah. 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 Because they were related. So oh, you right. see that it was important. Oh yeah. yeah but this guy apropos. was lumber and built like the most expensive home in Detroit. That's turned into a restaurant now. So okay. that's great. 
I, I'll tell you, it has the best street art in the world. Okay. Unbelievably vast amounts of street art because, again, yeah. there are these giant canvases, these buildings that lay barren. That lay barren and that people can, can work on. Yeah. That's but Detroit neat. is huge. Manhattan, Boston, and I believe Philadelphia could all fit within the... uh uh, in the metropolitan area? In the metro, well, in the Detroit's 42 square miles. Holy smokes. So it is many people in the city don't know other parts of the city. See, the hippies, I, uh, I am more in touch with sort of a, the, uh, people, it's a peasant skirt. Yeah. I know some people wearing a peasant skirt and they enjoy farming. <laughs> and so what I'm, what most of them are bragging about is, is the how, farming, are, is the farming yeah. that's coming into the city it's and they're incredible. reclaiming the, like I see it in LA too, like abandoned lots and stuff. And I was like, why doesn't someone put a garden in that? Because well, uh, we know, could use some tomatoes. The plan in Detroit was to gut the middle of the city where yeah. there was only one house inhabited every two blocks where there's not enough money for fire department or policemen to serve. Okay. And turn that literally into urban gardens that supplied the entire city. Right. Now, I think that plan has kind of veered off path, but there's something called Detroit, uh, uh, Detroit Future Plan. Okay. That is an amazing uh, revisioning of the city where parts of it are actually starting to be implemented. Okay. And then there's a guy in Detroit who I don't know, but everyone else seems to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, named Dan Gilbert. Okay. Who, uh, he started Quicken Loans. Okay. And um, he has more money than God. Mm-hmm. And he, despite the fact that the city has been taken over into receivership and all this other stuff. Has it? Yeah, oh, yeah. It happened a month ago. Oof. Yeah. Um, he is plowing ahead with a complete revitalization of downtown. Okay. And he's got money, so he doesn't need to raise money. Right. So um, there are definitely people uh, in the city, and there's great organizations that we met with. There's one called Dehive, and all that does is connect a person who does this with a person who does that all to make, you know, Detroit thing. Yeah. better. Okay. Um, so there are just, we met with tons of people. I'm trying to meet with absolutely everyone who's doing something revolutionary right. there. Right. And to have this song, it's actually a song video and a documentary. Right. Um, Don't you have an Indiegogo or a Kickstarter? Yes, just started Indiegogo. So okay. please. That will be linked in the notes, people. Yeah. And throw, the easiest way, it. It, yeah. yeah, please. I don't, if it's a dollar, it's fine. I'd yeah. rather have it be a hundred thousand dollars, but trust me, a dollar is fine. <laughs> if, you know what? Seven billion people on the planet. If everybody gave you a do book, it. I know you'd bring it back. I know it's pretty great. I know it's, I, uh, yeah, I love cities like, like Detroit. I mean, there's cities that, cause, because I grew up outside of Milwaukee and I spent some time in Milwaukee that it, it, those working class cities really resonate with me, you know, yeah. which is why I like living in Van Nuys, which is just pull normal I, No, I agree. I'm a yeah. valley girl, too. Did you grow now, up in I LA? must say one thing. No, no. I grew up in Detroit. Okay. And where right. did I go to school for four years? Where? University of Wisconsin. Madison? I am a Badger. Go Badgers. Yeah. Awesome. So I spent many a time in Milwaukee. Sure. Milwaukee. I pronounce it right. Milwaukee. Yeah. You, you go with the L? No, I, I went, go without I went to Madison L. myself. I'm, you did? Yeah, that's why the high five. But go, you could have been my grandchild. But go so. Badgers. Well, I graduated. Yeah. Uh, what would you study? Anything I, music? Uh, I know, no, no. And you know, to this day, I don't know how to read, write, or play music, <laughs> even though I hear every note in my head. I don't oh, know really? how to do anything I do. Okay. <laughs> Once I know how to do it, Please I get stitch so that on bored. A pillow. I don't know how to do anything I do. <laughs> I don't think you understand. No, I sold all, close to a thousand paintings before as a, you know, artist right. before Someone said to me, you do realize that if you mix colors together, you get other colors. <laughs> I, I sold over a thousand paintings. And then my, then a whole new area opened up for oh me. Oh my God, look at that. It's green. It's why my art is so bright. Cause yeah. it is straight Very out of the tube. primary colors. There's no dilution whatsoever. <laughs> what uh, so did, what did you study? At, I, I was Madison? a journalism major with okay. a minor in advertising. Okay. So writing and then some. Yeah. And it stuff. really affected what I did because advertising is all about getting to the point. Right. Can't Songwriting hurt. is all about. Well, if it's a good song. Right. For the love of God, get there. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you need this to establish it. And then you got the chorus to nail it home. And then you got the fade to kind of take it gently out. Excellent. And Are- it's all about storytelling. If you're a good songwriter. Right. Which, you know, is maybe 
10% of the people oh, writing songs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, stand-up comedy. 90% of all stand-up exactly. comics blow. Exactly. And then 10% are varying degrees Brilliant. of good to great. Yeah. And uh, have you gotten to see uh, Karen Kilgariff? Uh, yeah, hysterical. <laughs> I've seen her twice now. Oh, my God. At first, as soon as someone walks up with the guitar, I'm ready to leave. Right, right. It's like, I, I don't, I, I, I leave my house to get away from <sighs> What's music. gonna happen? You say to yourself. Yeah, and an acoustic guitar, uh-uh. You're like, ah, uh, what's no. gonna <laughs> And then she opens her mouth and like, it, and she's so subtle oh, when she does it. It's beautiful. You know, she was on a previous episode of The Dork Forest, her dorkdom, uh, Sandra Bullock. Oh. Unforeseen because she seems very cynical on stage. Her love of Sandra Bullock and all of her works is very sincere. You're kidding. No. Wow. She is on board. That is amazing. That's hysterical. I should have her back on. Find out what else she's enjoying. Yeah. Because I, one of my favorite songs of hers, if you have a minute, look at your phone. Yeah. I don't know if you heard that one. No. That's the chorus. If you have a minute, look at your phone. And it's something like, (laughs) right. And the other one was, uh, Jesus is everywhere. And the chorus is something like, Oh my God, he's behind you. <laughs> <laughs> and then the one about, uh, just her career stuff. If one uh, more person asks me what I'm looking for. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm doing or. I'm gonna so, burst into tears yeah, or I'm gonna yes, kill that myself. That I saw, that I saw, that I saw. Right, so oh. what, what music, let's, uh, let's spend a couple of minutes talking about what music you enjoy over the years, over the well, ages. Well, I was, um, uh, even though I collected albums when vinyl was around, I really was strictly a singles person. So I never really knew album cuts. I was well, only interested in the radio. Just 45s. That's all I was in. Not that I, that's what I collected, but those would be the only songs that I would really be interested on the album, unless it was an artist that I was fanatic for. Okay. And there weren't a lot of those. Ruth um, Brown. I like Ruth Brown. It's a little dated for me, but obviously, see, it's, I knew well, my, her. My brother is a hundred. Did you know her? No. Oh, I didn't know her. No, her. No, just because uh, let me love. let me tell you, my brother. It's his favorite singer. He likes oh. her and Brenda Lee. Oh well, I loved Brenda Lee as a kid. Sweet yeah. nothings. Oh my God, almost <laughs> sent me over the top. Yeah, she yeah. she started when she was like fourteen or something. Right? Uh, yeah, with I I think I'm sorry was her first one. Thirteen she, voice she like a 13. bell, right? Like little Peggy March yeah. was also thirteen. I will follow him. Ah, oh, um, it's nice. But yeah. uh, number one favorite music Motown, no question. Number okay. two favorite music disco will defend it, burn my bra, do whatever the fuck <laughs> you want to do. It's the best music ever. Okay, uh, pretend that I don't know anything about music and you will be very close, uh, to the actual truth. Yeah. Um, what would you, what's, what's, um, I, I can do Bee Gees. I can say Bee Gees. Uh, favorite group of all time. Oh, really? Lo- oh, those harmonies. Oh my God. All right. And all I, right. and I have great songwriters too. Okay. Oh, good. Cause they yeah. wrote, they wrote their own stuff. Yeah. Okay. And then Motown, did those guys write their own stuff? No, there, there were, uh, five or six main writers, main being Holland Dozier Holland, my favorite songwriters of all time. Holland Dozier Holland? Yes. Lamont Dozier and, uh, Eddie and Brian Holland wrote okay. all the Supreme stuff, the four top stuff that, you know, just Motown killers, uh, Smokey Robinson. Uh, Ashford and Simpson, you know, they wrote uh, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, Ain't oh, Nothing d- Like the Real Thing, uh, Reach Out and Touch. Okay. Uh, though I didn't like that last one, but, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, Not adored the other one. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, uh, Norman Whitfield, I mean, there were people that did very, very distinctive things. Some of them, like Holland Dozier Holland, were the most pop. Right. Ashford and Simpson were more, um, Kind of ballady, duetty, grandiose. Okay. Uh, Smokey Robinson had a whole other thing. Like he wrote My Girl, for All instance. Right. Um, that's, a, that's so, you And know. Norman Whitfield was the intellect. Oh, really? Yes. Norman Whitfield. Um, uh, some of these he wrote, some of them he wrote and produced, some of them he just produced. I heard it through the grapevine. Oh my the gosh. Best ever. That that's was Marvin amazing. Gaye. But that was a Norman Whitfield record. So that sounded different than other records. Norman Whitfield also did like, um, Psychedelic Shack, Cloud Nine for the Temptations that were okay. different from their earlier mm-hmm. songs. So more of kind of a social stance that he took. And Whitfield was doing the, the, the lyrics and, and music and element? producing. And, okay. And producing. Yeah. Okay. And there were other writers in there too, but there, those were kind of the, the mainstays. Leads. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, cause there's, there was that whole thing where, 
like now everybody is a singer songwriter. You know, everybody has to write their own songs and, oh, and produce and yeah. then producing the whole thing. Yeah. And it just That's seems... why there's so many shitty songs. Right. Right. Because yeah. you would think or non songs and, you know, doing so much sampling because they're not songwriters. Right. Because they don't know what else to do. Because, I mean, I think that that's a different skill set, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a completely different skill set. I'm not one of those songwriters that puts down music of today. I actually like it. I, I, um. Well, there's got to be good in every, in every generation, yeah, right? Yeah. But I do think it can, uh, things are taken for songs that aren't really songs. They're more feels. And I think there's a confusion as to the what? difference between a song and a, um, piece of music that's three minutes long <coughs> that has a good groove and you've sampled a lot of other <coughs> great records. So your record sounds great. Okay. You know, uh, on the other hand, do I think that's a song that someone's going to know a hundred years from now? No, I have. A- <laughs> okay. Wait, we're getting a fire hose for Jackie. It's being inserted down her throat. Now we're putting a little Kool-Aid into the liquid. Okay, wait, she's in the kitchen. She's hacking away. She's, um, is she alive? Here she comes. Is that ginger ale? What is that? It's tea. Tea. This okay. is tea, and that guy who hated the phone thing is yes. going to loathe what just happened there. But you did the perfect thing, which is what I want people to do. Wait, I'm going to, I'm, now I'm just going to play a series of ringtones. <laughs> What's that person's name? I can't remember his name, but he was, uh, he was a bossy magoo about it. He's like, hey, I don't mean to, uh, to comment on this, but, uh, cause I, I enjoy the show, but, uh, yeah, I don't like, uh, I'd just turn your phone off. And I'm like, yeah, if I could do that, I would do that. Yeah. It turns out I'm not doing it on purpose, you banana head. Yeah. Uh, what happens is, is we have a home phone. Oh, so we have yeah, a landline. You can't stop that I don't know how going. to stop that. I don't yeah. know how to stop the landline, which we have because Andy Ashcraft is a safety mouse and would like us to safely have some sort of grounded home phone in our lives, well, just in case I, the I big kind one. I kind of agree with that, even though it's such a waste of money. <laughs> it feels day. like, yeah, I think it only costs like $12 a month now, though. Oh, so yeah. I'm willing to, do it. I have one of those older phone systems where there's 97 lines and then some are the intercom. And so, so I can't well, really take it You have a business thing. You have a business Yeah, I'm line. a boarder living right. in an office, basically. <laughs> so, but, oh, it's such a pain in the ass. We're surrounded by toys. And by the way, there's so much static on my lines, but every time I call AT&T, by the way, the worst service company in the world. Uh, I it, They make it worse. I've and always... they cross my line with the neighbors. So now I just have a bunch of broken phone lines in the house. <laughs> I remember my grandmother had a um a, a party line. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and uh, uh, and she would uh, genuinely like listen listen to, in yeah, on other people. She's like, it's my story. Oh, I'm just going to listen in on these people's lives. That's unbelievable. It was that and days of our lives. Oh. That's how she she spent her days in between making phyllo dough, and uh, <laughs> she was a simple woman of the people. And, uh, I, this was in Milwaukee. This was in, uh, it's a little town south of Milwaukee. It's called South Milwaukee. Oh, catchy stuff, catchy <laughs> stuff. And, uh, but my, I was just actually, I called my dad the other day and I was like, cause my grandma used to make her own yogurt. Oh. And there was this, there's this yogurt water that's on top of the, it's way, I think it is. is uh, W H E Y. That's it. And so she would freak out if you, if you stirred the way it back in with the yogurt. She'd be like, no, no. What, would whey like harden? Would they be chunks? Is that no, what no, it is? No, it's, it's, it, it's essentially just what I call yogurt water. You could pour it off and turn it into tan. The Armenian word. Tongue? Tan, T-A-H-N. I don't know what that is. It's, it's. Did they it's, sell it at McDonald's? They sell it at Zanku Chicken. Oh, oh. And okay. uh, it's Armenian. <laughs> and, and the Armenian word for yogurt is madzun. Uh huh. And the Armenian word for, um, yogurt and Milk or yogurt and water is tan. Oh. And so, and I was like, Hey, I wonder if the reason she kept this yogurt water was to make more yogurt. Like if, if that's where the active bacteria are yeah, that we yeah. hear oh, so much oh, about. Yeah. Uh, so I call my dad. I call a bunch of people in the family that, that knew my grandmother better than I did. Yeah. And I thought, what the heck? Uh, nobody knew. And I finally called my dad and my dad's like, uh, because, uh, it was a big deal. The consistency of the yogurt, him and her, her and her friends, the yogurt had to be like a, a specific consistency. It was supposed to be like soft cheese. Yeah, yeah. And if it wasn't that, you had failed 
to make the Miserably. finest oh. yogurt in the land. Yeah, and yeah. so it was just an immigrant thing. So just thing. get the water out. Yeah, of just there. yeah, just pour off the water yeah. if you don't like it. Yeah, and, uh, and then. Yeah. But I myself, my sister makes yogurt now, and uh, I have no idea how to do that. I, I tried to make yogurt. <laughs> Without looking up a recipe. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Uh, so I put some milk in some, and then I put some live yogurt in it, and then I just put it on what, top where, of the stove. Well, where do you even get live yogurt? Is that just plain yeah, yogurt? Yeah, just yogurt. Just plain, plain yogurt. yogurt. Okay. Right. But why would you take yogurt to make yogurt? You need yogurt to make yogurt. I have no idea. It's like sourdough. I have no idea how yeah. to make the sourdough wow. starter immediately. Yeah. But I know how to make yogurt from yogurt. Wow. What you do, what, but you have to boil the milk. To bring it up, you don't boil it. You bring it up to like one twenty. So, are you super enhancing the taste of yogurt? Why wouldn't you just open the thing and eat the yogurt that's there? It turns. That's what my brother said when I was talking to him about making the yogurt. He said, "You know, you could buy yogurt. Why don't you just go to the store where uh, I mean, yogurt is being sold?" If you're using it to make it, then you must be making. It's like adding marijuana to the brownie dough. You're doing a little something extra. Right, right. You're bringing it up a notch. Yeah. I, I've, I've, I think I just wanted to make, cause I like yogurt, yeah. but I don't eat it every day. So yeah. making yogurt would have been done. What I made was ton, is what I did. Uh-huh. Essentially, I just made ton. The water? No, the, what, uh, the, the yogurt and milk thing Got is it. ton. And then essentially I just drank that and I was like, oh, was it good? It was lovely. Okay. It was, well, I, then. If you enjoy plain yogurt and then milk Not mixed with milk. Rare. Not- <laughs> do they, that on cheeseburgers? <laughs> well, my grandmother used to let us put a, like a spoonful of honey or a spoonful of sugar on it when we were kids. Huh. But once you hit like 12 or something, she's like, no. Oh, now you got to be an adult. Yeah, that's it. You got to grow yeah. the heck up and uh, and start enjoying yogurt the way it was meant to be enjoyed wow. by God. So yogurt is a big Armenian thing. Yes, yes. There was huh. I, I I read a short story once read by written by this Armenian guy who would, the entire point of the short story was lamenting that someone else had created Dan and yogurt before him, and it was just some <laughs> white guy. And you're like, what? This is an Armenian thing. And you're like, it, you can't claim yogurt yeah. for the Armenians. I'm sorry, everyone wow. has yogurt. So wow. Wow. That's a fascinating tale I never about yogurt. heard of yogurt growing up. I mean, you didn't not, have yogurt. Never even heard of it. And really not till I moved to LA. Okay. And then. I never had bagels until I went to college. But you had heard of them. I had heard, well, them. one time, uh, my stepmother brought bagels home and I was like, what are those? And she's like, you wouldn't like them. In other words, <sighs> she didn't want to share her bagels. Oh. <laughs> You're like, well, you're a dick. Oh, and in retrospect, absolutely one of the favorite breadstuffs <laughs> of the world. Yeah, good work is being done in the oh. world of bagels. However, yes, bagels have been um, uh, encroached upon. Co-opted and many by of the, the man. Pla- like, if it's not a Jewish bagel place, shut the fucking place <laughs> down. You know. What about the Lebanese? What do you think? No. Lebanese bagels? I don't know if I've ever tasted them. Me neither. But they're close enough in proximity, um. It's Middle Eastern. Physically, that they could pull it off. Yeah, maybe the Egyptians are doing good work. We don't know. We don't know. Maybe there's a PLO. The the Palestinian Liberation Organizational Bagel Shop. But nothing like a good lox and bagels. Oh, I love it. And I, I, but I I have a special twist. What do you do? What's your twist? Well, the capers are good. My absolute favorite is, first of all, has to be toasted. And never oh. a plain bagel. Take the plain bagels, put them in the garbage can. That's where they belong. <laughs> well, can't you put stuff on it to make it a better thing? No, well, no. Like, no why because, have I come here? Because, you know, the, those things that they put, like the onions or the poppy seeds or whatever, you know, which those annoy me. Too too much digging I don't out like, of the teeth. Yeah, I don't like any but, seeds, tiny seeds. But I like that they're baked in. So you got to toast the bagel. Okay. Then you got to put butter mm-hmm, on mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. both sides, both sides. People both that sides. just do one side, yeah. The outside sides. of the bagel, the round No, part? no, 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 the two oh, halves. There we go. Like the people like, that, even in a club sandwich, you're just going to put mayo on the bottom <laughs> slice. Don't make my sandwich. <laughs> okay, so. What we've t- discovered, wait. of course, in minute 40. Okay, but can I just tell you what? Dork. Okay, uh, butter on each side, cream cheese. Philadelphia cream cheese. I don't care if it's the diet, but it needs to be Philadelphia cream cheese on top of the butter. Okay. Slice of tomato. Okay. Slice of white onion. White onion. Uh, Okay. Here's where my junk food thing kicks in. One piece of craft processed cheese. Wow. Unbelievable. You're lucky the dark forest is a safe space. (laughs) (laughs) Because as a Wisconsinite. Grape jelly. What? Grape it keeps jelly. going. We're still going. We're right. still going. Grape okay. jelly and, of course, locks, and it has to be Nova. 
and then now, locks and then, on top oh, of locks. the grape well, jelly locks and the is cheese. The, well, the, actually, the locks would go right after the onion layer. Okay. And then you would put the cheese on top of that and Just the grape inter- jelly. And then you, cause, so that you could interrupt and then put the right. grape jelly. But the cheese, it's not even real cheese. And yeah. the grape jelly are a Willis touch that I'm sure no one else on the planet does. And wants any part of. Yeah, so wants. sadly. But I'm glad that you're enjoying oh, it. And <laughs> at first bite, when you crush it all together and do it while the bagel's hot... Oh, my God. Really? Okay. Here's what I have to tell you, that there's a bagel place I found here in the Valley that is called New York Bagels. Yeah. Gutsy stuff. Gutsy stuff calling yourself New York Bagels. Where? Woodman. Yeah. uh, Just south of Moore Park. Whoa, we're going on the way home. That's it. Do a little drive-by. It's a coffee shop cafe, and they have bagels, and uh, they're great. They're, they're like, they, they're the size of real New York bagels. Yeah. They, uh, have the consistency of New York bagels. I have no idea how they're doing it. And I have no Mm. idea if they can do it, why no one else is doing it. Because I can't, I can't stand Cantor's. I can't stand Jerry's. I have a problem. I'm softer on those two than most people. Right. Are. I actually love Cantor's. I just love the vibe. The vibe is excellent. And that ceiling. The coffee is ridiculous. It's, I don't, the, I'm not a coffee drinker. Well, you're lucky. Let's <laughs> just say that you take that uh, all the way to the bank because uh, they have terrible coffee. Oh no, that's horrible <laughs> the for same, a deli. It's the worst. And Jerry's. Jerry's well, is well, Jerry's I used to hate, but I've gotten so used to ordering in from Jerry's that I've okay. started. I've softened up, and I like Arts. I mean, oh. Arts at least still feels like an old deli. Yeah, Arts is over on Ventura too, right? Yeah, here Ventura in the and uh, Laurel. What, what's that place over uh, east east of Pacoima? Do you know that place? There's a no. Yeah, there's a there's a place over Tarzana way that I can't remember. No, the name if of. you I'll think of it, it, I want to know. And then of course sure. Langers, Langers, which is where on uh, uh, Alvarado and right near you know across from MacArthur Park, and okay. that, that's kind of the oldest one. Okay, and very famous for their pastrami. Okay, and I like pastrami. Yeah. I'm a, um, what I have recently decided, cause I went to Austin two weeks ago in Atlanta last week. And you know, when you travel a lot and you do, yeah. uh, people are constantly saying, well, you have to have the barbecue. Yeah. You have to have the Southern yeah. fried chicken. You have to have the Southern food cause you never know when you'll be back. Guess yeah. what? I'm coming back and you're eating a salad. You live here. Why do you get to eat healthy? Yeah, yeah. And you got a forks like pork belly on me, which I love, but in moderation, my friends. Oh, no, I know. It's uh, so I know. But who's going to impress you? Well, uh, people will impress you with a salad, I guess. But it could be if uh, I like a chopped salad. The only way I like chopped food. Salad. I like a chopped It's the only way I can do a salad. Now you yeah. got to chop it up fine like I am a baby. Yeah. And then I will eat your crazy greens. Yeah. And but uh, don't just bring that like, that mix Lettuce salad. Oh, take it off the menu. And that stupid wedge. No, oh no, I'm defending the wedge. Oh, you're in. I'm, I'm down with the wedge. <laughs> of course, because it's iceberg lettuce, which has no nutrition whatsoever. So I'm in. Right, right. There's yeah. and it comes with ranch Bacon? dressing. No, not ranch. What is it? Blue cheese. Blue cheese. It's one of those two. Yeah, so- blue cheese, crumpled it- bacon. It's just, what it is, is it's just a bullet right to your heart. Yeah. what it is. That's well, all it is. And I like, have so many bullets to my heart occurring each day. It's like. Right. I gotta cut off a cut, a corner of this wedge salad. <laughs> I'm gonna dip it in some blue cheese and I'm yeah. gonna eat it. I might as well have, I don't know, a fried clam. You know, like, which. Too oh, healthy, with but. With the bellies. Yeah. With the bellies. Oh right. god. No, I love the wedge. I love the wedge salad. Unless they pull where they bought, it's an expensive restaurant. And they buy tiny little heads of iceberg. That sounds nice. And then you get two bites. And right, it's and like, it's twelve dollars. And it's twelve dollars. And you're like, why have you done this to yes, me? What do exactly. you care? Because lettuce exactly. is free. Exactly. You got to come be on. Free. We got the gardens already producing. We got two patty pans, a, a crook neck, and a two zoops. Oh, it's God. coming together. The oh. tomatoes are coming in. It's uh. Now, we're, we're um, I may now. as well put a plug in for my restaurant now that we're talking. Oh, yes, please. That I am uh, one of the investors in my favorite restaurant in Los Angeles. Tell me it isn't Planet Hollywood. Oh, it's so not <laughs> Planet Hollywood. Oh, my God. Uh Susan Feniger's Street. Susan Feniger's Street? Yes. Is Su- the name of it? Well, Susan Feniger is a fantastic chef. She's which, the chef. If you watch uh Food Network or any of those, yeah, yeah. she's on there all the time. Okay. And actually, her and Mary Sue Milliken, who were her, was her partner in mm-hmm. all of the restaurants except for Street, which include places like Border Grill. Okay. Um, Where uh, they is were it? the very first chefs ever on the uh, Food Network. Okay. Um, uh, Street 
It's actually called street, but okay. of course, if you look street up on Google, you're, you get every street yeah. in the world. So Susan Feniger, F-E-N-I-G-E-R. Good. Uh, it's right on Highland and uh, Melrose and oh. it's street cart food from all over the world with her twist. Oh. And it's, she's my favorite chef in the world anyway. Chef Greg in Detroit is my favorite soul food right. chef in the world. And she's doing uh, various cart foods from around the world? Yes, with her own spin of course. on it, which and is a really distinctive so spin. So you, you get you get like a Korean taco. Yeah. You get like some bulgogi. Yes. It's, I don't know why both of those things were Korean. No, I'm but that's – yeah. No, no, but it, it's – it's they're kind of from all over. Right. And, um, you know, the food But it's a sit-down restaurant? Yeah, sit down, Perfect. very reasonably priced, like okay. shockingly reasonably priced. Oh, that'll be in the news. And a very happening, you walk in, you see people you know, it's very friendly, mm-hmm. and, you know, you constantly hear, oh my God, you know, because people haven't tasted food like that, like so, a lot of this. So you're part owner in that? Uh, yes, a, a small owner, but a very vocal one. <laughs> the one who's in there, you know, I haunt her, because if there's one little, like, water spot on a fork, I'll I'll, like take a picture and you I'll send don't it. Understand and... how? It... Yes, yeah, so. uh, you got my money. You gonna get mm-hmm. my comments? Mm-hmm. But I just I love Susan. I love the restaurant. Right. I love uh, Sasha, the um, other chef there. You know, it's just it's a great restaurant. So is, is any of your well kitsch out there? Out there in, in like the restaurant? No, or uh, there's an artwork that is very associated with their restaurants. Okay, that everyone always thinks. I did because yep. I'm always in their restaurants and it's mm-hmm. reminiscent of what I do. Mm-hmm. But they've been working with these two English women for years and years and years. Okay. So, um, yeah, I got to go there. That oh, sounds lovely. It's great. Yeah. It's great. I'm a big fan. Uh, I also enjoy a diner. Oh, uh, right. The best places. Yeah. Cause who doesn't want to, I want to grow up in a diner. But what are, what, do, what are your favorite diners that are left? Uh, right. Okay. Here. So it took me nine years to find a breakfast diner, uh, here in the valley. It's called Nat's Early Bite. Oh, of course. Nat's, Hazeltine uh, yeah. and Burbank. Yes. Right on the corner in the little shopping center. Sure. Because big L- portions. this is my thing about LA and foods, big portions, very nice, reasonably priced. And everyone who works there, a waiter, it turns out. Yeah. They're not writing anything. They're yeah, not, yeah. 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 Actual waiters. Yeah. They're working. Yeah. It's lovely. Anyway, yeah. but, uh, but what I, um, strip malls in LA, Remind me of New York in the eighties where everything was privately owned on uh-huh. these streets and you'd go into something and it looked like the dumbest, most dingiest thing in the world, but it was like a bead Incredible. store that had amazing yeah. nonsense from yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And that's what strip malls, you can go like when I find a strip mall where I like something, yeah. I'm like, what else is in this strip mall? Well, I agree. And so I'm going to go to that donut yeah. shop and I'm going to go to that nail salon I agree. and I'm going to go see what's I happening. I agree. Oh, this Israeli Kung Fu. I yeah. don't want that. <laughs> okay. I'm good. Because the other, what, Tony's Mexican, which is a guy. I know Tony's Mexican. Cold water and, 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 uh, and Magnolia. And oh, it is, uh, Baja Mexican. Really? Tony from Mexico. Of Italian descent, like third mm. generation, they came from Italy, yeah. immigrated to Mexico. So his family lived in Mexico forever, and then he immigrates to the United States and starts Tony's Mexican. Tony's Mexican, uh, so it's a lot of fish because Baja Peninsula kind yeah, of thing, yeah, and yeah. and super healthy, yeah, and free dessert. Oh, that is cute. You know what the free dessert is? Little bowl of a fruit, cut fruit, with a homemade creme fraiche. Oh, incredibly reasonably priced. Okay, so I need to try that. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. Uh, the the shrimp burrito is uh to die for. Oh, it's very nice. Okay. So so that's okay. Nat's early bite for breakfast diner. Yeah, and lunch diner uh, Magnolia Grill with an E. I have not. Uh, I I only went to it when it first changed its name to that and haven't been back. So that's good. Huh? Yeah, on Magnolia just east, east of, of uh, right. Yeah, yeah, east of, just east of Coanga. Coanga. Yeah, yeah, and and um, yeah, completely. Like in the dumbest neighborhood in the valley huh. ever, because right by Circus Liquor, kind yeah, of. And yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, I, I would not come here at 1130, uh, naked with money tacked to my ass, because something might happen. Uh, but I bet you if I was dressed at 1130, it'd be fine. I would just be asked for change. Oh my god, my favorite valley spots have pretty much disappeared. There's a great old diner still near me. Oh yeah, where they um have uh. Uh, updated it decor wise, which is a shame, but you're still in a really old tacky diner. <laughs> um, which is, uh, it used to be called Sittin's, now it's just called North Hollywood Diner. Yeah, right over, on Magnolia. Yeah, yeah, by the library. Just west of Lancashire. Just west, in, in between Lancashire and Vineland? Is that right? No, in between Lancashire and the 170. And the one, the other way. 
Okay. Yeah. Is the yeah, Amelia right Earhart Library? Yes. Yes. Directly across the street. Well, okay. that's across Kitty the street. Kitty corner or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Because there's a statue of her. Are you? Oh, I'm obsessed with that statue. If you want to talk kitsch, there is a statue of Amelia Earhart and the exact same one there's a duplicate of in the Burbank Airport. Oh, really? And uh, the, the statue was made in 1969, 32 years after her death. She is wearing bell bottoms. Bell bottoms did not exist in 1937 when Amelia went down. And that statue, it's actually. See, see, there's the phone. There's the phone. It's, oh boy. it's gone off and there's the answering machine. That statue is surrounded by, um, propeller fins that okay. stick up, but they look like sharks are surrounding, are circling her. Oh. And whoever that, did that, when this woman was lost in the ocean. That is now, very tasteless. Got, go look at that statue again and look, <laughs> don't look from the knees down. The okay. bell bottoms, the shark fins, it's insane. And it looks like Elvis in drag. If you looked at wow. that and you would have to guess who it was, you would say Elvis. <laughs> I, and therefore I love it. Therefore you love it and because it is tasteless kitsch. and amazing. Yeah. It's yes. Wrong. It's, it's just, it's wrong. <laughs> and the guy got paid a trillion dollars and got to make two of them. Oh. So the what? So the the one in front of the library is she wearing bell bottoms? Yes. Look at this. They're draped okay. all, all right. down all at right. the bottom. I often fly. I like to fly out of Burbank because it's close and small. Yeah. But it's, I often fly out of LAX. Yeah, um, it's not like you. But you though take probably the flights to New York and Southwest is yeah. what I'm usually on coming out of. There okay, because Alaska. there's one. The, there's not really different terminals at Burbank, but there's one place that you go. It's in the place where the Flights are like I've okay. only passed her a couple times. Okay, so there, there are two terminals A and B. <laughs> oh, but it's well, super maybe, small. Yeah, but it's in one terminal, not the other. Essentially, yeah, is what she's you're probably saying. in B, or right, something. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Okay, what's uh, what's a we're we're getting close here. So, what's okay. a favorite uh, kitsch? What's what's some of your favorite stuff that uh, you got that I own or in public? Um, oh, that you might wish to own either oh, way or both. God, I don't know. I mean, my um. I would say of pieces that I own, one of them is a black velvet painting. Not that that in and of itself is enough, but it is <laughs> like very it's large. Not okay. It's large. It's black velvet. It's an African American conga player. Okay. You know, play, yeah. beating on his little drum. Okay. His head is four times the size of his little feminine hands. So that's problem number one. <laughs> Perspective is off. It lights up. Oh no. And the lighting consists of Christmas lights against crumpled up tin foil so that they shine through this, uh, these little, uh, uh resin right. pieces that right. are there. So the lighting is twisted. Um, it's got a musician vibe. It's got a tiki mask in there. It's got a peace sign. It has wow. everything that a black velvet painting should have, except they should be in separate paintings. <laughs> Right. This is four paintings is what they've done here. Is yes, that what I'm hearing? There, yes. Yeah. So it is the master of velvet painting. So that's one thing that oh. I just adore. Right. Um, oh, God. Now you're making me choose between the babies. I, I know I'll walk in the house and said, oh, my God, why didn't I mention you? Right. Um, I don't know. You know, and now once I started the I, I have an online museum actually okay. called the Allie Willis Museum of Kitsch, which is just A-W-M-O-K-A-L-M-A-K.com. Okay. Oh, acronym. Nice yes. work. Yes. And that it's actually a little social network based around the crazy things that people collect or see or whatever. So there's forums and stuff that people oh, can Oh, yeah. You, on? Po- you post okay. the thing and then everyone comments. And then we've all, there's a core group of people. I mm-hmm. mean, when I started it, I thought, oh, I'm going to be bigger than Facebook. You know, right. once you realize you're not even going to be as big as a page <laughs> on Facebook, then you. But good times are had. Yeah. Right? Then you realize, oh, my God, I have met the most phenomenal people yes so i would say of probably the 20 people who participate the most none of whom i knew before i started this 
um, I was so grateful for them to contributing stuff every day and commenting yeah. that I actually invited all of them to a party. I've been named one of the best party throwers in L.A. Excellent. I made Excellent. a very sh- small party for the most dedicated, we call ourselves, Echichianados. <laughs> so they flew in from all over the United States, one from London, and we all met. And I really thought, okay, I'm going to meet these people one time. I'm going to be nice to them because they've really supported me. Right. But really expecting the dorkiest, creepiest looking people to open the door who had no life, who right. therefore spend their whole time at the Allie Willis Museum of Kitsch. One by one, I would open the door and just scream, oh, my God, there'd be this gorgeous person yes. standing in front of me. Dressed exactly as I love people to dress, you know, vintage. And, <laughs> right. And every single person was the coolest that's person. Because cl- that's the dork forest where you're just like, well, I'm going to meet with these people because this is part of the job or this is part of the, the, the social contract of having yeah. a show. And then you, every, swear to God, every single person I've met. Fantastic. Is a, the nicest, smartest, most yeah, interesting. Exactly. And not just the thing that they're dorks about because they're dorks about everything. Yeah. You know, they're usually, if they're listening to the show and this is c- complete pandering, but it's true, is they're usually more interested in the things going on around them than, rig- than other people that I just meet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And now they're coming to see stand up comedy and they weren't necessarily exactly. comic fans before. Exactly. And that's fun, you know? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's great too. No, it's incredible because you've got a bunch of like-minded people. Yeah. And they've even, most of them have flown in, like I did uh, a concert in Detroit last year and the year before. Uh, uh, ten of them flew in to help me. Um, a bunch of them fly in when I do live shows here. You know, I've only been performing a year. I've been terrified. I've had stage fright for 40 years. You, what you saw yeah. was my fourth or fifth time up in front of people in my life. So you've never really, all you've done is the writing. You've never yeah, done the Yeah, oh no, this is all new. And uh, it's tormented me for 40 years because it's been the missing gap. Congratulations. That Thank is you. so, seriously, people, uh, just, what, what's the worst that could happen? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing will happen. No Ex- one will if you kill don't you. do it. Yeah. No, yeah. That you will be super sad if you never try it. Yeah. Just try. What the, f- I cares? was the hat check girl in comedy clubs. I was the hat check girl at Catch a Rising Star in Ooh. New York. While Saturday Night Live, the original was being cast, and In the all late those 70s? auditions, yeah, all those auditions, mid seventies. Oh my gosh! All the uh, seventy-five, actually, all the auditions happened at Catch a Rising Star. In the hat check room. In the uh, hat check room. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't go in that. I wouldn't touch the walls on that in a yeah. dare. Yeah. No. No. It was um, Elaine Boozler was my co hat check person, though Ugh. she was also performing. doing sets. Was she doing sets? Oh the yeah. Yeah. Richard Belzer was the MC. Sure. But I mean, everyone came out of that club. Yeah. Yeah. But, Catch you know, a Rising Star in the mid seventies. Yeah. That's all of those yeah. guys, right? And then but just, I was only doing it because I needed to make money. I had a record deal that I lost and a friend of mine had been the hatchet girl there and was leaving. So I took her spot Okay. and I thought, oh, these comedians, they're not making <laughs> records. You know, ugh, I'll just do this. Mm-hmm. But then I realized, oh no, this is like serious. This stuff. is something else. And yeah. I got to see the greatest comedians in the world. Right. And of, of that age, because Catch was huge oh, then. It was God. so yeah. big. Catch and the improv. I mean, they yeah. would leave one and go to the other. So. And just go perform at those places. Yeah. It and was it all... was, it was fantastic. So just... I had actually a great time. That's neat. That. Did you get to hear the, the, were you close to the showroom? Could you see the show? Oh yeah. It was a, you know, there was a doorway. And right, right. But you could totally hear the jokes oh, yeah. coming out of it. And yeah. Did you see Pryor? Uh, no, but, uh, Lily Tomlin has been one of my mentors for years, has supported me. We collaborated. Right. That's right. Yeah. You know what? You should ask Lily to uh, shut up, Jackie. Anyway, but here's the thing. I've met Lily Tomlin yeah. because I, uh, and this is very funny because somebody just posted the damn thing on the Dork Forest Rangers Facebook page, which, uh, I was on an episode of Murphy Brown. Ah. When I moved to Los Angeles, Joni Marchenko, uh, was doing stand-up uh-huh, comedy uh-huh. in Minneapolis and she was like, Jackie, I'll do favors for people. One favor. Everybody gets one favor. Do something with it. And, uh, it turns out I didn't do anything with it, but she was very nice and she made me SAG eligible. Yeah. So I was the airport cop that busted Charles <gasps> Kimborough. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Jim Dial. Yeah. As he went through the airport, uh, going to London. So I played the airport cop oh, that did that. Yeah. And Joni Marchenko got me that gig. Wow. And Charles Kimborough, by the way, the nicest man 
I didn't know. I had never acted. Uh-huh, I had never, uh-huh. like, since high school. Yeah. So the director comes up to me. The table read went good. Lily Tomlin. This was the last season. Yeah. Candace Bergen. Don Rickles was yeah, the secretary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, wow. and so, uh, the table read went really fun. Everybody else started phoning it in, but I had been warned that, you know, if you're a guest star, you have to give 110% yeah, the whole be, time or yeah, they will get rid of you. And so I totally did. And everybody was very nice to me. And then we go to block it and I don't know how to do blocking. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how, where to walk or yeah. stand. And so the director comes over to me and after I'd run it once and he goes, Hey, so you're not hitting your mark and you're cheating. I can't see you on the camera. And I was like, and I just sort of stared at him and Charles like, Kimbrough walked yeah. up to me and he goes, I think I was blocking her. Yeah. I think I, I, just, oh. I think I was in her way. So let me just. And so he, he just looked at him, walked away. And Charles Kimbrough says, see the X? That's your mark. Uh, cheat a little more. Turn left. Turn left wow. towards the thing. And he totally, he That's was so fantastic. sweet. OK, so Lily Tomlin was the boss, right? At this season. Yeah. yeah. And so um I the, spend the whole week on set. Super fun. Super yeah. fun. My roommate at the time, uh my friend Jennifer McLean, she came for the taping to watch me shoot it. Yeah. And then afterwards we were gonna wander Warner Brothers. And so I'm running down the aisle out after after my scene's over and Lily Tomlin sticks her head out of her dressing room and goes, Where are you going, Jackie? And she remembered my name and I go, uh, my, my roommate and I are going to go look for famous people. <laughs> and she goes, what am I? And I go, yeah. and I stopped. She goes, keep moving. Ah. <laughs> it was the, they were the nicest people. Candace yeah. Bergman was super, super everyone's yeah. super nice. Oh, yeah, that makes such a difference. It, and I think effortless on their part yeah, and so nice. And they don't expect a novice to be there. I mean, when I did color purple, they kept saying stage right. Downstage. I didn't know what the fuck. I still right. don't know. Right. It's still confusing. I mean, I've animated for years. I still don't know. Are you talking about the animators right inside the computer screen? Or are you talking about the viewers right as they look at the animation on the screen? Is it the Those kind type? of details. You could tell me a hundred times. Okay. I'm not going to remember. Right, right. And then just tell me again. Yeah. Turns out I'll, I'll do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, I don't get a lot of my self-esteem. From, for example, knowing directions. Yeah. So when people are like, you don't know where you're going. And I'm like, no, no, I don't. But if you tell me, I'll go there. Yeah. It'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to burst into tears over here. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Huh. Allie Willis, the color purple. Plug that. Tell Uh, tell the people. The color purple is opening in London this uh, summer. Oprah Winfrey producing, co-producing once again. Uh, be in London for six weeks. Hopefully with any luck, transfer over to the West End at some point. Knock, it's knock. opening at the um, uh, Chocolate Factory. Okay. And um, I know there are a million I'll other f- things I should be plugging. I mean, right. the Detroit thing, obviously. Right, the Detroit Indiegogo. I'm I'll put on, on the, everything. I'm, uh, I'll send everybody to your website, and they can see everything on there. Yeah, at Allie Willis. And Allie is spelled oddly, A-L-L-E-E. None right. of this A-L-L-I-E or A-L-I right. shit. Classy. And uh so AllieWillis.com and everything. It's a very visual website, so you can find your way around. Turns easily. out there's some music playing. Oh, a lot of music. A <laughs> lot of music. A lot of music. Excellent. And, um, you know, we'll see. Thanks for being on the show. Loved being on the show. Happy to drive back anytime. Excellent. Thanks a lot for listening to the show, everybody. You know the credits. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio. And Mike Rickberg and Sarah Cohen sang that song in the beginning. Mike composed it. He's going to sing again in about a heartbeat, the Mexican hat dance. And Vilmos fixes the websites. Feel free to donate if you haven't donated. I'm hoping everybody gives me a 100 bucks a year. That's right. And if you don't have a $100, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. It's just tell everybody you love the show and feel free if you like to buy merch. Maybe you want a Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirt designed by Salmon Bemel Benrood, my nephew, or you want a Brett Chambers designed Dork Forest t-shirt that is in green or brown, which is exciting. All American made, so they run big because they're made by Americans. Because while I'm willing to wear clothing made by toddlers, I'm unwilling to sell clothing made by toddlers. In other news, uh, JackieCation.com has all of the information, including links to DorkForest.com and iTunes and all that stuff. Feel free to review the show. Feel free to buy stuff on Amazon. And thanks a lot for listening, you guys. Take care out there. Bye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?